Trigger warning. We discuss sensitive topics like child abuse this week. Please see show notes for the relevant areas. Join us this week as we discuss boundaries and removing toxic relationships from our lives. So it's time to lock the bathroom door, pour a glass of wine, and take a deep breath. Welcome to the 80s Mom Podcast. Good evening, ladies. Good Good evening. (laughs) I love it when it's in tandem. So today is going to be an Instead of saying fun, I'm going to say interesting topic that a lot of the podcasters we listen to have been covering lately as well, although they covered it a few weeks ago because we we aren't the cool kids. We're we're the ones who adopt fashion like three months after it was cool. Try three years. Well, yeah, (laughs) we're lucky. Ooh, speaking of which, if anybody wants to dress like Ray and wear flannel, it is on clearance at Walmart. I spent so much money on flannel because it's on clearance, which means I'm not going to be able to buy it anymore. So now I have 10 flannel shirts, which means I can definitely get through more than one week. (laughs) So, yay. It's not that I get to do, you know, laundry less often, but (laughs) at least now I don't have to worry about not having any shirts to wear while I'm doing it. You know who's got some flannels and stuff on sale? Duluth. I still They've can't got the uh, no jeans on sale for like six for like six bucks. I was like, saw. I was like, oh, like I just, I just stacked up. I don't need more. They didn't have any in my size because I'm a fat chick, or because mm-hmm. I have big boobs. Take your take your pick because my boobs often make me two sizes bigger than I would be anyway. Yeah, it's the size. I just one. I squeeze them into what size I should be wearing anyway because then I don't necessarily to let me just say that these tank tops with the shelf bra cami bras whatever they are they are actually kind of working for me so I'm like I'm so jealous those do not work I did I did look when you said that but they were out of 2x which I guess technically I wear a 1x but I often wear a 2x I am shrinking slowly I bought some No Boundaries, which are juniors, and those are in 2X, but even those are a little big. So the fact that I can fit in junior clothes is kind of nice. Congratulations. Yes. Even though I'm back up to 211. But hi, I've been stressed out, and these are things. So, I am going to place a trigger warning right here. This evening, we are going to be discussing what could be, to some people, sensitive topics, among which are boundaries estranging yourself from your family on purpose and child abuse so listener discretion is advised although it generally is as we are three moms and we all have potty mouths so if you needed us to tell you this (laughs) maybe you haven't listened before but we do drop the occasional f-bomb and no we don't care yes you can email us and tell us we're horrible people that's fine then somebody would have finally emailed us (laughs) (laughs) So please, please do. Please. At least I'd know that you're not a Nigerian bot. And if you do email us, I will respond with a hilarious gif or meme over on our MeWe page saying, hey, 
we got this message. Here's what we think. Because <laughs> <laughs> I are. am the meme and diff queen. Thank you. And we can be horribly, horrible, horrible people. Although we, we, the inside of our evil dark chocolate exterior is in fact soft, squishy nougat. <laughs> I like nougat. I made Rice Krispie treats. I cannot make those. They never turn out. I have a recipe for you from Turtle. Would you like the recipe from Turtle? You can even add it to the show notes. I was going to say, please share it and we will uh, put it it over on the uh, Mimi page. Yes. It is one stick of butter, four heaping cups of marshmallows, and four heaping cups of the rice cereal of your choice. The ones I made upstairs are 75% cocoa pebbles and 25% rice crispy. I often do the same thing with fruity pebbles. And yes, cocoa dinobites and fruity dinobites work just as well. They are cheaper. They were just out of cocoa dinobites when I was shopping. Because I like mom's cereal, which is malt oatmeal, in the bags. I also vacuum sealed all of the extra cereal so I didn't have to make a lot of Rice Krispie Cheats all at once. So they're all prepackaged mix for Rice Krispies. So all I have to do is add butter, add marshmallows, and we have Rice Krispies because I was thinking ahead that day. Sweet. Will you... uh? Send some, include some pictures so we can put that on the uh, movie page. Yep. I will text them to you. Awesome. Before I package them. ITV. <laughs> We're on MeWe. You should check us out. Join us there. We post fun things sometimes. Not as often as we should, but we're working on it. So, we wanted to talk about boundaries because boundaries are important. And the first thing we're going to talk about is serious, but not serious to the level that we're probably going to get to today. Being a peaceful parent or an attachment parent does not mean that you have no discipline or boundaries. Because I get, that was the biggest argument I got with Zandria was, what do you mean you're going to do that? You're not going to have any discipline or boundaries with your children? And I'm like, uh... That, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. And there are great books on attachment parenting and peaceful parenting. Like Dr. Sears has some really good information on it. We have his baby book upstairs. It, is, it shouldn't be called the baby book, in my opinion. It should be called the baby Bible. <laughs> right. I love that book. If you have a question, that book has an answer. If you have a question that's not covered in that book, they also have a book strictly on breastfeeding. They have one strictly on vaccines. They have one strictly on pregnancy. They have one for Uh, high-need children, I believe. And on their website, the Dr. Sears website, um, they talk all about attachment parenting. Like, And there's specifically a page dedicated to high-needs children. Which is amazing. Like, I mean, that whole section of their website is amazing. They they are just amazing. They are the reason I was so into baby wearing. Because, get this, even if you carry them for two straight years every day, which I did, I have the most independent freaking five-year-old you have ever met. <laughs> 
Well, and actually, like, this is a little off topic, but his son, Dr. Bob, also a pediatrician, um, he's very big. Um, his group is called the Immunity Education Group, and he actually has a podcast called The Vaccine Conversation with Melissa and Dr. Bob. Um, I mean, he's yes. the next generation of the Sears family, like, going into the, we're educating our parents, we're making sure they know all available options, they know everything that, I love all that side podcast. effects, everything. I haven't listened and to Melissa it in a really a long podcast. time. Melissa has a sidecast as well called Uncomfortable Conversations, I think is the name of it. So, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I love the vaccine conversation. I have not listened to it in a while, but occasionally there's only so much of that I can take before I start getting upset. It has nothing to do with yeah. the conversation. It has to do with everybody else, <laughs> which we are going to talk about. We're not talking about it this week. <laughs> we will. We will go there. We have. We are not doing it this week. We have deep, disturbing things to talk about this week that have nothing to do with vaccinations. And oh my God, I just. So, another good book is *Raising Freethinkers* by Dale McGowan et al. So that's a really good. It's a practical guide to parenting beyond belief, which my husband has read. I sadly I have not. I need to read this book. I'm going to go put it upstairs in the bathroom, which is where I put everything that I can't seem to read. Because if it's the only book in the bathroom, it's going to be read. That's how this works. <laughs> that is how I got through this next book, which is called Parent Effectiveness Training. Which is also an amazing book. And very helpful. It's not specifically about attachment parenting per se, but it's a great book. I highly recommend it. All of these books, including the Baby Bible. I mean, the Baby Book. It should be called the Baby Bible. <laughs> are available on audio on, audio, on Audible. Hashtag not spawn because we're too small to be sponsored. We do this for free. Yep. Out of the goodness of our hearts. And it's still, it's like the 337th month of March of 2020. And this is the only adult time we get. True. Pretty much. So. Cecily, why don't you talk to us about dis what discipline and or boundaries with your kids look like? I know we have talked about this before, but we're going to at least touch on it again today. Oh, I suck at because my children are pit bulls and I give up way too easily. There you, you go. You still have really, really well-behaved kids generally, though. Well, well, yeah. Uh, okay, by pit bulls, I mean that, you know, some children are Labradors, and some children are Beagles, and some children are pit bulls, and they need somewhat different training. Mm. Like, like, strength of will-wise. When I was a kid, my goal was always to not show that discipline affected me like if i was in trouble for something i would just like pretend that that really didn't bother me um my mom tried the whole you know if you don't eat it for dinner you're going to have it for breakfast thing and i asked her once when patrick was little what whatever happened with that because I remember plenty of things being served for breakfast. 
I don't ever remember eating it for lunch. But I also don't remember ever eating it. And he said, yeah, that would be because I I just couldn't keep watching you not eat. And I'm like, wow, that that didn't take long at all. One meal. Okay. So, yeah, my children are the offspring of that. And That's fair. Yeah. And you have to... I'm still learning how to set and establish boundaries like preemptively because the fence has to already be there if the fence is ever not there you've lost is basically how it works yeah have me and you discussed that so it sounds like something i might have said at some point (laughs) (laughs) yeah and especially the last few years with mental health I have either given in or screamed my head off way too many times. So I'm not the person to talk to about this. That's okay. That is why we're the holy trinity of moms. Nobody's perfect. (laughs) We don't all know everything. Some of us know things. We wish we did. Yeah, we wish we did. At least this way, it's not just one of us talking at you and going, I am perfect, and my house is clean, and my laundry is always put away. (laughs) And what is wrong with you? (laughs) We are looking at you from different areas of mess. My office is a mess, but upstairs is tidy because, holy hell, I actually had energy today. And Letty is living with her parents right now because life sucks. And they're trying, and her and her husband are trying to find a house. And me and Jason have our own house, and Cecily rents, and everything is different. All of our lives are so different. But that's what makes this so nice. This is why I like having three of us. Because we cover just about anything you could think of. Which is why if you have questions, feel free to ask us. Because one of us might actually know something. Or know a resource. If we don't. (laughs) That's right. We'll, We'll point you in the right direction. Don't you worry. Me and Jason are very well read. We researched for four years before we had Sandria. I did intensive research for at least two years before I even got pregnant. About a lot of things. Potty training, however, was not one of them. I did that late. Oops. I'm also not perfect. Um, Still working on that one. Still working on that one. I'll go ahead and take boundaries and discipline next because we have actually started implementing a new thing. Today, Zandria got to watch one movie and that was all the TV she got. That was it. She watched Aladdin while I took my second nap of the day because I tidied the house today. And it's very tiring. So I slept till 1130. I got up. Or I got up at 8. I took care of the chickens. I took care of Zandria. I laid back down till 1130. Then I got up and tidied the house and I laid back down at 230. Because I went, holy crap, I have no energy and a podcast tonight. That's actually a great schedule. It's not It's not horrendous. That's a great way to break up the day. I should not have slept until 11.30, but I had my infusion lab visit on Friday, and I'm still recovering because your body does not like it when you turn your immune system off. So it takes a few days for me to get back to 100%. It's not fun, but it's a thing, and it happens. So... We implemented that with Zandria because she's having a lot of behavioral issues around going to bed because she's getting too much screen time. So we're limiting our screen time now. 
And also, I have implemented a thing because Zandria wants to eat noodles or cheese tortillas, which are basically burritos with just cheese in them. For everything, so we have implemented, you have to try some of what mommy and daddy are eating, and then you may have a cheese tortilla. So we're not taking them away, but we're trying to get her to eat more things. So she, we smoked a brisket and pastrami yesterday, and the pastrami is amazing, and so is the brisket. But this is the first time we've made pastrami. So, uh, she had brisket wow. tonight. She did not have a loaded baked potato like we did, but she had some brisket which is a win in my book. And then she had part of a cheese tortilla and then she went to bed, which she did not want to do and she was very upset about that she's having problems with bedtime. So a lot of it right now evolves around no. And that does not mean when she was a baby or one or even two that we had these firm lines because we didn't. They're getting firmer as she gets older because when she was younger, she needed more leeway. She, her brain was still growing. She did not understand. So the basic rule, boundary, discipline in our house for Zandria was, think you cannot do things that are going to injure or kill you. That's a good, that's a good one. <laughs> that's and, always a good baseline to have. And we've talked about this before. So it's like, it's not things that she thinks are dangerous that we stopped her from doing. It's things we knew were dangerous we stopped her from doing. Because they need to have that little bit of facing fear going on so that they don't do serious risk-taking when they're older. Which is why helicopter kids can sometimes yeah. die in horrible accidents like, uh, what do they call that, coffin jumping off of cliffs, some kids do. Where they jump off of really oh, high cliffs for adrenaline, and they will, and sometimes they die. Oh my god! Okay, did not know of that oh. one. Yeah, those are. It's usually a teenager who will do that. It's not so much a. I wouldn't expect a child to do that, no. but. Yeah, oh. so if you're a helicopter parent, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying you need to think about the things that you're doing and how that's going to affect them when they're older, because making them scared of everything is going to make them want to push up against that. And when you're bigger, you're going to take larger risks than you will when you're two, three, or four. So if you take the smaller risks when you're two, three, or four, you don't want to do it when you're older because you've, to your mind, you've already done it. (laughs) Having said that. And kids who don't grow up falling off of stuff don't learn how to fall off of stuff. Yeah. They don't learn, like, how to land, how to feel when you might be going to fall. You know, feel when your footing is good and when your footing isn't good. They don't learn all that. So they don't have like like a baseline for, is this reasonably safer? Right. And having said that, when we were outside playing in the snow last week, I did not let her play on the trampoline. Because the trampoline was covered in snow, it wasn't covered in ice, but I was slightly oh. concerned about her footing getting up there. And with the weight of said eight inches of snow on top of the trampoline was slightly concerned about maybe the structural integrity of the trampoline. So that doesn't mean I let her do anything she wants, but I did let her jump onto and walk across and jump off of a hay bale that was covered in snow. I just tell her, please be aware of where your body is and what you are doing. She also took a tumble off of the footboard of our bed last week, and she's fine. She was hurt, and she was scared, and it really upset her. And we discussed how piling up pillows to kick on the bed may not have been the smartest idea. (laughs) 
She was yeah. luckily she and was well, fine. That could have been disastrous. But she was I fine. like how you tell her you tell her to be aware. I know I'm not a fan of be careful, be careful, be careful, because what what does be careful mean? Not so much. I know for me, like I told my parents, like, please don't tell little man, be careful. Tell him, please watch where you're putting your feet. Yeah. Do Which not is- your if you put your hand there, it's gonna get hurt because it's hot. You know, like like have him you want him to be aware of where his body is in relation to the perceived danger. And I also told him that a lot of things that you don't be careful about are things you just don't want him to do. So if it's something you just don't want him to do, please just say no. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I don't say. Right. Which is a conversation. Do not climb on the back of the couch. Yeah. Which is something I told her. Um, And that's not saying I don't tell her to be careful. I catch myself saying, go ahead, but be careful. And I said, and then I'll catch myself. I've said that. And I said, please be aware of where you're putting your feet. And be aware of where your body is. Because you could fall. And it would hurt. So if I say be careful, I try to catch myself when I do it. I used to be better at this and I've got and I've fallen back a little bit. But And like I've noticed too, like when when I say please watch where you're putting your feet, watch what pay attention to where you're at. He's not gonna just be rash about what he's doing. He's actually gonna take his time and not fall over, not hurt himself or anything so i'm like okay this is working yeah you know you're you're teaching them the, the spatial awareness and everything which is huge yeah and they need they need to know that it's it's yeah. important another thing you could say is do you think this seems like a smart idea does that seem like a good doesn't idea? work on a two-year-old yet but no She's five, though. <laughs> this is yeah. the moving goalposts. There's a difference between moving goalposts being a bad thing and moving goalposts being a good thing. A bad thing is like when you say, if you come out again, I'm going to shut your door and you can't have the cat in your room, which is a thing that goes on in our house. And then them coming out again and you not doing it is moving a goalpost in a bad way. Moving a goalpost in a good way is... Do you think what you're doing is a good idea to a five-year-old is please be aware of your footing and I don't think you should do that to a two-year-old. Because they need they need you to be the brain they do not currently have. You have experience, yeah. or at least the semblance of experience. Thou art God to your children. They think you know everything until they hit about 13. so use that to your advantage when you're trying to teach them to be aware and that's pretty much what discipline looks like i mean she has some time out but it's really really rare and it really depends on what's going on most of it is you need to get yourself under control because people will not like you if you are going to throw a fit which sounds mean but is in fact true it's true it's so true and you need people to like your children. You need your children to be liked by other people when they grow up. They need to have their emotions yep. under some kind of control. That does not mean they cannot cry. That does mean they cannot throw themselves on the ground, pound their fists, and scream their bloody head off. It is okay <laughs> to yeah. feel emotions. There are times where it's not appropriate. 
Yes. You can and... feel them without expressing them. Yes. That's something I end up saying a lot. Now, Xandria is not quite to that point yet. She's still a little young, but yeah. she is fairly civilized, and everybody's always charmed by her, so I think I'm doing something right. And yeah. um, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, we've talked about this before, the parenting chapter is really good. There are some things I do not agree with. I do not agree with hitting anybody for any reason, unless you are pushing a child out of the way of a moving vehicle. I do not believe hitting is ever the, is ever an option outside of that. And he is not, he is neither pro nor anti-spanking. I don't, he's not like you should always hit your kids, but he's not like you should never hit your kids, and I don't really agree with that, but. Aside from that, everything else is really, really sound. And you shouldn't always completely agree with anything anybody says. No. If you do, maybe you need to think about it a little. So, let's talk about more general boundaries. Setting boundaries, which is important for, like, our spouses, our friends, our family. Not so much what we've had to do if the boundaries have been broken, but how you set them with people. Do you want to start that one, Letty? Or if you had anything... I was just grabbing the... You're fine. Yeah, I, was just, I was just typing out the Jordan Peterson. That's fine. So I remember to look it up. The 12 Rules of Life, right? 12 Rules of Life, yep. It's so good we have it in audio and hardback in our house. Nice. Wow. Tell how much we like a book so by how many right formats here. we have it in. <laughs> I do apologize. I was just making sure I had the right... Uh, You're fine. Don't apologize. He's got a couple of books. Yes, he does. They're okay. all good. But that one particularly, and I think he came out with a second one, but I haven't read it yet, so your mileage may vary on that one. I haven't read it. <laughs> oh yeah, the antidote to chaos is The Twelve Rules of Life, yeah. Yeah. Okay, just making sure I got the right. Yep, that's the subtitle, okay. an antidote to chaos. Okay good sorry okay so what were you asking me about i'm sorry okay did you have anything you wanted to <laughs> add about yes you're fine anything you wanted to add about um discipline or boundaries with little man or did you want to move on to general discipline boundary or not discipline i'm sorry general boundaries with your friends family spouse um, i i have to say i think the the thing with the like especially when they're at his age you no know, he's he's two and a half um in like, like you do need to make sure that you're setting those boundaries, but you also have to realize that when they're really little, they live in the moment. And they only feel that one emotion. So for me, I've been very focused on making sure that he knows, okay, right now you're tired, you're frustrated, you're sad, whatever, you know, I just tell him this is what you're feeling. So he's, so he's not, he's not scared. He's not thinking that mom's upset with him. And like, it's also watching your tone of voice. Yes. Um, no, there are times where he needs to go to sleep and he doesn't. And I'll very sternly say, roll over, close your eyes and go to sleep. And then he will. <laughs> but, um, you know, it because I'm, I'm a, I do the attachment. I'm more of an attachment parent. So my, my discipline, it's more constructive. So 
if he does get a timeout, it's because, like you said, with Zandria, it, it's it's for the same type of reason. So it's like, okay, do you have two minutes? Please go sit in the chair over there. And then when he's done, this is why you had your timeout. If you kicked the dog, go go give the dog a hug and tell her you're sorry. Tell Papa you're sorry, and then we move on. But um, yeah, yeah, that's where I am. That makes and sense. it's tough when you're living in someone else's house and they have a different idea on what the boundaries, what your parenting boundaries should look like and how you should be handling it all. Even so that's a perfect segue. Yes, go right ahead and segue. <laughs> um, the past year and a half we've lived with, we've lived in his parents' house and then like right now, little man and I are with my parents. Um, and it's been interesting, to say the least. <laughs> but um, like I'm all for one for like setting my own boundaries. Like I have my, my space. I like to be able to go to my own space and instead of like constantly being out and about with everybody else. But introvert, need my own like me time to recharge. Um, but when you're living in someone else's home, those boundaries often get crossed and blurred. So it this this is something that I that we're working on because we didn't do a very good job of establishing set boundaries and following our own plan for them. So we're looking for house and I've like, I'm at that point where I've told my husband, I said, we're not telling anyone where we're moving. We're going to find a house. Your parents are not going with you on the uh, the tours of these homes because I don't want them to know what the house, where the house is. And when we move, we're just going to give everybody a P.O. box. And that's the only way they can reach out to us. <laughs> and he's like, that's going to cause some issues. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm, I've let people go in the past, just like, I've given you your one, two, three chances you're done just cut all ties you know you're deleted from my phone delete any history that i had with you like i don't know that person so for me i'm like i don't care i i i i'm i'm at that point where i need to focus on me and my family and i'm setting i'm setting that line up you know like i'm i'm going to draw that line in the sand and if it gets crossed i'm done so that's where I am right now with boundaries. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, Cecily. Do you set boundaries with your family, your friends, anybody? I mean, I don't have any boundaries with you that at least I'm aware of. I don't have any problems with my family. We have okay. Here's in a capsule. Here are my parents and my husband's parents. My parents. My dad is where I get my iron will from, and he told us before we got married, you want to live about two hours away from us. You don't want to live within an hour of us because I will end up running your life, and I won't want to, and I won't mean to, but I will. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, you know, that's a lot of self-awareness. That wouldn't have occurred to me, but yeah. Probably I could see it. You know, I'm daddy's girl. I don't want to disappoint him. 
my mom gave us a book on boundaries that Letty already has the info for. And actually we were typing up info about the same book, um, <laughs> which was funny. Um, boundaries by Clouded Townsend, highly recommended. It also comes yeah. with a workbook. Side note, yeah. I may or may not be leaving it as a parting gift to the in-laws when we move all of our stuff out of their house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's my in-laws are why my mom gave us that book. His parents, on the other hand, were disappointed that we weren't living within, say, half an hour of them. They were hoping we would move to Champaign which is about half an hour from where they are. And I told Brian, we're we're not living close enough that they can drop in because no. they'll they'll find a reason and this will be a very bad thing. And that's that's just like our relationships in a capsule is that my parents are all about you need to set really good boundaries. You guys need your own lives. You need to have your own relationships, you know, away from us and, you know, away from other parents, you know, but also away from us because, you know, we also need to be adjusting our relationship now, you know, less parent and child kind of thing. Whereas his parents would love to be over way, 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 way more than they are. When his parents were better able to travel, if they said they'd be here about 10, you'd probably hear a knock at the door about eight. Oof. Oh my um, God. Yeah, one time they opened the door and came in because I guess we hadn't thought to lock it. That's, that's just, that's my in-laws. That's rude. My in-laws won't open well, I... the door and I'm like, it's unlocked. You said you were going to be here. They live less than a mile up the road. It's not a problem. I mean, this was her dad's I, I, house. This is this was Jason's grandparents' house. It's not. They they do not come over without somebody knowing. And it's just like so. If I know they're coming, I unlock the door because it's not guaranteed that one five minutes later I'm going to remember because I dissociate and we'll talk about why that goes on. But um, also, I could be in a different part of the house if I'm doing something and I won't hear them. Because we don't have a doorbell. Because I have auditory hallucinations of doorbells, which means I can't stand the sound of doorbells. So, our house oh, is not God. allowed to have a doorbell. You have to knock. But if you don't knock loud enough, I won't hear you. <laughs> which is just something else. I'm not always the greatest at setting boundaries. It really depends on who and why. I have gotten a lot better since I met Jason and I've done a lot of work on it with my dad and my grandma. And I don't really need so much boundaries with my aunt because we get along really well. And I'm sure we both have boundaries for each other, but they're more implicit than explicit. But with my dad, for example, before we had Zandria, when I was a housewife, my and my dad still sometimes does this, but he does this a whole lot less often now. He said, when are you going to get a real job? And I looked at him and I said, if neither me nor Jason have a problem with the way we are doing this, why do you? Oh my God, why does everybody think it's so terrible 
for a woman to want to stay at home and be a housewife for her husband or be a stay-at-home mother. Like, I don't understand that. So many people just have, feel like they have to interject and say, yeah. well, you know, you really could, you could find a much better house if you guys were both working or, you know, you could probably you make more money than your husband. You don't go to work and he can stay at home, dad. No. Like, no. I am sorry to anybody listening who may be a stay-at-home dad, because we do have guys who listen. I just don't have a lot of respect for a guy who stays home. I just I don't, don't think it's the guy's place. I think that's Sullivan's place. Yeah, my uh, brother-in-law, my sister-in-law's husband is a stay-at-home dad, and well, we don't get along very well. <laughs> Not because of... I. I don't think either of us are very fond of the other one, which is fine. We're capable of being cordial and stuff, but it's just like ever since they came back from Oregon, like, I don't go over to my in-laws if I can avoid it. It's just a thing. And it's fine. I love him. It's not that he's a bad guy. We just don't get along very well. It's just the way it's always been. Um, so, before we get into talking about when and experience is in estranging yourself from your family. I have hinted at this before, and I have never really talked about it in the podcast. Cecily probably knows more about this than Letty, but I still don't know how much either of them know. So this is your final trigger warning for child abuse, and I'm gonna give you half a second, and... I will attempt to give Letty a timestamp so she can mark it for me. So that when we're done talking about it, you can skip it. But I think context matters. Okay. So. My life has never been great. I lived. <laughs> my My mother... Her house was like a revolving door. Okay. She was married to my dad. She met him when I was two. They were divorced by the time I was five. So my dad is my mother's first husband. She's been married twice. My mom has five children by four guys. So it gives you some backup. That gives you a little bit of background there. So when I say revolving door, I mean, I'm, I mean literally... These are the things that happened. I lived on gas station hamburgers, McDonald's, and Pizza Hut for the first 12 years of my life. I kid you not, that was my diet. I can't imagine why I have problems with my weight. Or wheat. Can't imagine at all. I didn't live up, I didn't grow up drinking soda or anything all the time. Yes, yes I did. So when I was 11, my mom met her current husband. And everything to my eyes was like perfect childhood life. Wouldn't it, who doesn't want to live on McDonald's, gas station, microwavable hamburgers, and Pizza Hut? I mean, when when you're a kid, that sounds amazing. And when you're an adult, you're like, what the hell is wrong with that person? But these are the things that happen. So they met. He did not like me. He never liked me. Okay. They rented a house on Schroeder in um, Springfield, Illinois. And when we moved into that house, I was no longer allowed to leave my bedroom. I left to eat and to use the bathroom, and that was all I was allowed to do. Okay. But this one had a, this this bedroom had a door. So I was, for all intents and purposes, mentally locked in a room. 
and screamed at and attacked when I left my room. Okay. So, that happened. I moved to Florida to be with my grandparents, and they used to joke, because even then I had PTSD from this, even though it had been, I don't know, 18 months that this had gone on, that when they left, they would leave the house to have dinner with their friends on Friday to, one, go have some adult time, and two, to give me the run of the house so that I had some me time, which is really, really forward thinking, I think, when you're talking about a 12-year-old and you're leaving them alone in the house to eat TV dinner and, you know, play video games and just chill out in the house, which is something I had, and I had access to the entire house, which is something I was no longer used to, really. And they used to make a joke that um, when they came back, the house was as lit up as Fort Knox because my paranoia from these attacks, from these mental attacks, was so bad that I was afraid there were monsters in any dark area of the house. I turned on closet lights and shut the closet doors. That's how bad this was. Okay. It took a really, really long time to get over that, and I never got over it when I was in Florida. That was the way it always was. I had all the lights on. I was paranoid. I had nightmares. It was horrendous. So, they not... They kind of knew what was going on, and but they let me move back with my mom for freshman year of high school because I wanted to be with my mom, because what little girl does not want to be with her mom? And then I spent three and a half years of my life locked in a bedroom because it did not get better. The attacks got worse. They were yelling at each other about me a lot. I was allowed to go to school. I came home. I was allowed to leave my room to do the dishes, to eat, and to use the bathroom. And, God forbid, I tried to take a shower in the morning. I got attacked. I was not allowed to do my laundry. I did it, like, once every six months. So, when I'm saying child abuse, I am being very specific. My mother works for the Department of Children and Family Services in Illinois. And nobody ever did anything about this. Ever. Nobody cared. And if I didn't put the dishes away, they would wake me up in the middle of the night to put the dishes away. I was also, I'm a very, I like to make people happy. So I'm trying to please them in this horrendous situation and do everything I'm supposed to do and trying not to get yelled at. And be, I was called the N-word. I am a white chick. And I was called the N-word at least once. I was also called a bitch a lot. I did nothing to either of these people ever in my life. Okay? These people are horrendous. They do not know my daughter, and they will never know my daughter. They've never met her. My mother is estranged from her granddaughter because of all of this. I am taking a drink, but it is non-alcoholic, surprisingly enough. Um, so, I turned 18 December of my senior year. I left one day to, they, there was this really big fight and I got attacked before I went to work. How I managed to have a job during all of this, I cannot explain to you. I don't know how in the hell that ever happened. I did. I had a job. And I was there as much as I could be. I went straight from school to work, from work, home. I had to be home at eight. God forbid I was five minutes late. I had to be home at eight. Every night. I'm 18 and I have to be home at eight o'clock at night. Does not matter what day it is. And I was upstairs and in bed. So I was there as little as humanly possible. I hung out at, at our, me and Cecily's friend Allie's house as much as I could because I was trying to stay out of the house. But my, my family knew, did not know where any of my friends lived. 
at all. Ellie was really the only one I saw because I could walk there and back because I wasn't allowed to drive a car. Would not teach me to drive a car. Gave me no independence whatsoever. Okay. I mean, yes. Did I go over to my friend's house? Yes. But I often left, like, at 6 a.m. before anybody was awake. And I came back at, like, 8 p.m. Because I was trying to get out of this room. Because it was horrendous. This was really, really, really bad. So when I ran away, I went to my friend Jimmy's house. And they called the cops on me to try to get me to come back. My mom left me voicemail messages on my phone that I ignored. And they called the cops, but the cops were like, Sir, she's 18 and we can't make her do anything. So, now you have at least a idea, and I'm going to add this, which I should have said earlier, but this entire thing is very layered and nuanced, and there was a whole lot of things that happened to me mentally. None of it, or at least most of it, thank God, was not physical. But... When I was 11, I had anorexia. By the time they took me to the doctor, I was 10 pounds away from having heart failure. I almost died because they didn't do anything about this. Even my Aunt Teresa, they'd taken me to a birthday party of either my sister or or her daughter Julie, and I don't remember. And they brought me home because they were terrified because they could not get me to eat anything because this is in the middle of me having anorexia. I would I didn't eat anything for two weeks straight. Which is often why I say I am fasting under the guidance of a doctor. I am very careful with what I do because I understand what can happen when you're not careful with how you do things. I am very careful. And because they didn't know that they weren't doing anything and they said, I think something's wrong and you might want to take it to the doctor. They took me when I weighed 65 pounds. I was 11 years old. I weighed 65 pounds. My daughter weighs 38 pounds, and she's five, to give you an idea. So, with that in mind, now you all know exactly what, or at least the broad strokes of what happened. I am estranged from my family on purpose. I do not talk to my mother. I do not talk to my, my maternal aunt. Uh, ever since my grandma died, I talk to nobody on that side of the family at all. My aunt I don't talk to because some stuff happened after my grandma died where she wouldn't let me, like, wash her body, which we've talked about before. And she made the snide response to me one time is, of, well, I'll never know what happened in that house. After I told her what had happened to me. So, ever since my grandma died and there's nobody to keep happy anymore, I no longer talk to her if I can avoid it. So now we are going to go into defooing, which is estranging yourself from your family of origin. It is not something you do lightly. It is not something that is fun. I had to do it twice. I, I had to do it three times before I was successful. I did it once at 18. I didn't see my mom until my grandpa died in 08. So that's 04 to 08. I did not see my, I did not see my mom. And then the same aunt who told me, oh, we'll never know what happened in that house told me that my grandpa's dying wish was for me to have a relationship with my mom. And it caused me more pain and heartbreak to do it the second time. And I did it the second time after my mother's husband stood in front of my father at a family reunion who is a veteran who was on leave from Iraq at the time 
and told him he hoped my father was shot and killed. I'm sorry, he was not in Iraq. He was in Afghanistan. He told my father when he went back, he hoped he was shot and killed in front of the entire family. What the heck? I cannot imagine why I have nothing to do with these people. And then I tried to invite my mom to my wedding, and I realized that I was trying to placate an abuser, which is a thing that you will do, and it's something you have to train yourself to catch. So I called her every day for a week, and she did not answer the phone. So I left her a message telling her her husband was not welcome at my wedding, and she sprayed it all over Facebook with no context and talked about what a horrible person I am because I would not invite her husband to my wedding. And that was the last time I've talked to my mom. Actually, I have talked to her cordially in family gatherings before my grandma died. Because I'm an adult, and I'm capable of doing these things, but I want nothing to do with her. Wow. Yeah. So that is that. So, in situations where either you are abused or your boundaries are not honored, you can decide to defoo from your family. I mean, you can also estrange yourself from friends. I actually had to uh, remove myself from a friendship because the person was locking her kids in their room. I'm actually really, really good at that. Removing yourself from friendships. Friends are easier. I've done it so many times. I, I well, gotten... I've done it with like, I've done it for, with friends I've been friends with for over twenty years. Yeah, me too. You know, and it's um, first time it's not easy. It's it does get easier after that. <laughs> but well, it's, it, it's never it's easy. That... It's just after the first time you know that you will in fact be better off. <laughs> It sucks. Every time you do it, sucks. I mean, yeah. I guess depending on the situation. Like, I did it three times with my family. And I called my grandma when I did it the last time, crying my eyes out. It was the day her best friend was being buried, and I didn't even know. I mean, it was, that that was a mess. I felt really bad, because I didn't know. And I knew her best friend, because her best friend was one of my preschool teachers. And it was just like, and it sucked. It was hard. All three times I basically had a very minor nervous breakdown doing it. And I was not okay for weeks. It took a long, and in the middle of wedding planning is probably the worst time to do these things. I'm not saying that it's not good to do, but oh my God. So that happened in May and we got married in October and oh my God, it was... This is why boundaries are important. Now, having said that, in my situation, yeah. there is no way as a minor to set boundaries for your parents effectively. I did everything I could possibly do. I told my teachers at school, the only one who ever said anything to me was, don't say anything more or I will have to report it. I think that's kind of the idea. Mm-hmm. So... I- when I say nobody cared, I am serious. What? My grandparents did care. Nobody else cared. I don't know why my grandparents let... They, I think they regretted that as much as I did. But once I was there, it became more of a problem to remove me again. So, 
I mean, my grandpa was estranged from my mom because he told them I should be allowed to have sleepovers and him and him and my mother's husband never talked again. As far as I know, not really. Wow. Because he was done. And they did everything for me they possibly could. They made sure I had cable. They they are the reason I had a cell phone. They gave me a TV. They tried to set me up the best I could. And my room did not have a door. So I'm a teenager with no door. Who can't leave their room? But anyway. I'm gonna fix that mark. Sorry, Letty. It's convoluted. <sighs> mm, fix that timestamp. There you go. There's nothing you can say to it. Don't worry, I'm not. I, re I refuse to sit in the corner and cry victim the rest of my life. People who do that don't get a lot of sympathy from me. I can't imagine why. I mean, and I live with, you know, I have severe PTSD and dissociation, and I have a hard time. It used to be 75% of the time, but now it's more like 25 to 50% of the time of knowing that I'm safe and knowing where I am. Jason has to remind me daily that I'm safe. I'm not kidding. I have a lot of problems. My poor husband married this problem. <laughs> and it, these are the reasons why you remove yourself from your family of origin. There are reasons as an adult that you also do it. When people can't listen to your boundaries because they have powdered butt syndrome. Where they changed your diapers, ergo they know what's best for you. That's not okay. That caused my sister a lot of problems. Although she is finally, in her 30s, becoming an adult. Because my dad has a martyr complex. I love him to death, but he does. He wants to save everybody. So he often causes mm. problems that give him people to save. But compared to the other, that's not so bad. Nervous laughter. I don't think it's funny. I'm just nervous. Um, so I've had to remove them. I had to remove my friend Mandy. Uh, not my friend here whose name is Mandy. Another friend I have whose name was Mandy because she locked her kids in her room and I had a severe issue with that. And I told her she could either cease doing that or I would no longer talk to her. And she unfriended me and blocked me on Facebook, so that solved that problem. Wow. It's nice when they do it themselves, but then I I always find it amusing when they then are like, oh my god, can you believe that she did this to me? She's not speaking to me, and I don't understand what I did wrong. Then they turn into the victim. And well, it's just like, uh, yeah. yeah. Here's a reason. Well, Nicole Sauce talked about this. There are two ways to handle boundary issues. You can say this is a boundary and you've broken it. Or you can do what Stefan Molyneux talks about. There's um, a real-time relationship way. You have to decide how much you value this relationship before you do this. If you value the relationship with the person, and at this point I no longer really valued the relationship with Mandy and I just wanted it to be over because I was so upset, you can force the issue until it explodes like a pimple, which is what I did. So I was not surprised because that's how I handled it. Or you can handle it more gently with giraffe ears instead of Jekyll ears. I'm trying to think. That's non Or you can handle it nonviolent communication method. Which is the way you handle it if you care about the relationship. I'm not saying whether I was right or wrong in handling it 
for a real-time relationship, which is the name of a book, and so is nonviolent communication. Those are two different forms of communication, and you have to pick which one you're going to use. Um, because one is going to make it so that that bridge is not only that bridge is not only burnt, but there has been seismic activity and the river no longer exists, and now there is a cavern there, and you're never crossing it again. So, if you choose to do what I did with Mandy. You will never have that relationship back. I pretty much did that with my mom the last time, too. But I knew what I was doing when I did that. And that's fine. I made that decision. But do not make these decisions... Don't make that decision, knee-jerk. You should think about it and decide how much you really care about the relationship before you do something like that. Because you... If you regret it, like, three months later, you might have done the wrong thing. <laughs> I'm not going to say a week later. It takes a while to get over. Because yeah, it, well, you you go through the grieving process. Yeah, there's going to be a grieving process, and for me, it was like I had mental breakdowns over these because it it was so traumatic. To free myself was trauma, and I mean, I have severe anxiety. I have social anxiety because these are the people that taught me that everybody I met on the street wanted to rape, kidnap, and murder me. Everybody I met on the street wanted to do that. Wow. So, to say I am fucked up is, is an understatement. To say I have had a shitload of therapy is also an understatement. To say that I am okay is incorrect. I am now functional. When I met Jason, I was not functional. When I met Cecily, I was beyond not functional. Which was a long time before I met Jason. Jason has helped me a lot. And is very understanding even when it's not easy. So, <laughs> Letty, why don't you talk about when you have estranged yourself from people? I think the most recent one was... Oh, almost five years ago. I had to think about that for a second. Um, that one had been a long time coming. Been my childhood best friend. And, like, I had distanced myself from her several times in the past just because she was so mentally draining. Um, there was always something wrong, always, like, it, it, and it was never her fault. And And, like, find, like, I just, I was starting to get tired. And, like... The second, okay, so the second to last straw that broke the camel's back was about two years before I finally cut her off, and she had been pregnant with her third kid, and she said, I want you to be godmother to my baby. Like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's the week of the baptism and she calls me in tears and I'm just like what what's going on and she's like well the church won't let me have two women as the godparents they said it has to be a couple and I don't know what to do and I'm like well okay you were gonna have me who was the other one she said well, I was gonna have my sister-in-law I said well that's a no-brainer your sister-in-law is gonna be the baby's godmother 
I, I don't know. I, I, are you sure? I, I, I don't know. And I'm like, trust me, make your sister-in-law the godmother. She's like, well, well, no, no, it was actually a year before I cut her off because my husband was with me. And she's like, well, are you guys still going to come to the baptism? And I'm like, well, yeah. I said, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the baby. So we get there and she pulls me aside. She's like, so thank you for coming. But I, I want to let you know, like the priest is like adamant that it had to be a couple. So we went with this married couple that we're friends with to be the baby's godparents. And I looked at her and I was like, what? She said, yeah, they, they said it had to be a couple. And I said, you realize that means like it, you, the godparents have to be a man and a woman, correct? And she looks at me, she's like, oh no, I made a big mistake. And she's like, well, he, he insisted, the priest insisted that it's a couple. So I went with this married couple. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm like, I, I don't care, whatever. Um, but you know, it was one of those things that like, she kept just like, are, are you okay with this? Like, is, is this going to be okay for you? And I'm, and all I could think was, okay, this is clearly not okay for you because you, you keep asking me how I'm doing. And I was just like, oh, whatever. But I mean, we had like, we had just fallen so far apart over the years. And then I got engaged that summer and she was all excited. She's like, so when's the wedding? Like, um, what do you need me to do? She's like, cause I know I'm going to be your bridesmaid. And I, and I looked at her, I said, like, um, no. And she got so upset. And I just looked at her. I said, number one, I was the first person you told when you got engaged to your husband, who I introduced you to. And you did not ask me to stand up in your wedding. It was a month before the wedding when you realized that, hey, maybe I should have like involved Baldy somehow so you asked me to be your wedding coordinator for the day and I was fine with it like I love doing all that stuff I said and Jen we've grown apart I'm like at this point in time I said we're playing a very very small wedding like I think it's like at this point we were thinking it was just going to be our parents and my brothers and that was going to be it she's like but I'm your family and I said Jen no 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 you're not you're not my family anymore she says, but we've been friends for 20 years. I'm like, I understand that, but we're not at that level that we used to be. So she, she got upset and she like, she didn't talk to me for a while. And I was like, do I invite her to the wedding? Do I not? I'm like, I'm going to send her an invitation to the wedding because we ended up, we kept it at 50 people. And I had my best friend stand up at the wedding with me because this girl has been with me like, no, she and I have been, I've known her for almost 20 years now, this, this other friend. And, uh, like we were at the bridal shower and she who shall not be named was there and she's all excited. And she's like, Oh, I can't wait for the wedding. Yada, yada, yada. My parents are going to watch the kids. It's going to be great. Like, okay, that's awesome. She's like, do you need any help that day? And I was like, if, if you're willing, like, would you just kind of like make sure that like things run smoothly I said just make sure that I get like I'll have a list of people I need to get pictures to with just make sure that that gets done and she's like oh absolutely I can't I can't wait I'm so excited so our wedding was on a Friday Thursday we had the rehearsal and I was like whatever you're not going to be there I'll see you to, uh, she'll be there the next day so wedding day gets here and we're at the venue and 
we're getting ready and I've got I've got the clipboard and it's got the envelopes to pay everybody and um my list of times and who needs who need pictures with. And I was like, hey, has anybody seen her? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, she's she's probably running late. You know, she's she's one of those that she's always at least 15 minutes late and thinks she's early. Like, okay, whatever. Ceremony gets done. I don't see her anywhere. I'm like, okay, this is weird. And like we go through like the whole rest of the evening and my maid of honor goes and gets my stuff from the room that we got ready and brings it back. And I was like, this is really weird that she's not here. I'm going to just check my phone because I was thinking they got lost or something. I have a message from her at the time we were getting married. Hey, Let, so excited for you. Can't wait to see you at the wedding tomorrow. <gasps> I take my phone and I, I just, I'm just like, you have got to fucking be kidding me. And I shove it in Trisha's face and I just like, I just walk out. I'm like, okay. And so we got married on this farm and there were trees everywhere. So I just walked up to this big tree, put my hands against it, put my head on it. And I just cry. And it wasn't, and I, I'm so upset. I can't believe this. It was just that this relationship is over and I'm so relieved. Like, yeah. And Aww. Trisha comes over and she's like, Hey, I sent her a message. You know, like she came, she came over and she just stood next to me for a couple of minutes. And then like, I just turned to her and she hugged me and we went and sat down and she's like, Hey, I sent a message. I said, this is Trisha. The wedding was today. She hasn't responded back. I said, okay, thanks, Trish. And she's like, are you okay? And I said, like, the first time in all my years of knowing her, I said, I don't have her baggage anymore. I I don't have that weight on my shoulders. And she's like, really? And I said, I said, I'm upset that she's not here. Like, but at the same time, I'm just, I'm glad that she's not here. (laughs) Yeah. So the, the next morning, at my parents' house because they invited everyone over for brunch and I checked my phone, like checked my email and I just started laughing and my aunt looks at me and she's like, why are you laughing? I was like, remember my girlfriend you were asking me about yesterday, like where she was? And she goes, yeah, I'm like, read this. You guys, it's been five years. I've deleted this email like so long ago, but I still remember almost every single word, but pretty much the thing was Letty. I hope you can forgive me for making a silly little mistake. Had I re- had I realized before that your wedding was on a Friday, I would have realized that we couldn't make it because I'm a teacher and I work Monday through Friday. Uh huh. <laughs> we Thank had you. we had my mom and dad scheduled to watch the kids on Saturday, and we had our reservations at the hotel for Saturday night because I thought that the wedding was Saturday. Now. I sent this girl an invitation and she she RS, sent back the RSVP card and then a couple weeks with the wedding, hey, I want to make sure I have a reservation set for the right date and everything. Can you send me the information in which hotels you're using? And I'm like, here you go. So I just looked at it and I was like, she didn't want, and I just looked at it and I just laughed. And I shared the email with everyone and they were like, oh my God, who does she think she is? Like, this is the most callous, shallow, like ridiculous thing. Like, She's making it all be your problem. 
Like, I know, right? Like, how dare I schedule my wedding for a Friday? Like, how dare I schedule my wedding to be two and a half hours away from where she lives? Like, what am I thinking? <laughs> um, but I just looked at it, like, after everybody saw it, and I deleted that email, and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> so, <laughs> And it was really funny, because she had another wedding coming up a month later, and I was just like, she had been asked to stand up in the wedding, and I was telling my husband about my other girlfriend, I said, like, watch this. I'm like, she's going to do everything for this wedding. She's going to be there and it's going to be hilarious. Lo and behold, she was there. She had her hair and her makeup all done. She was in her, her bridesmaid dress and just like, I'm here. Like, isn't this great? And I was like, okay. Yeah. And it was, it was really funny because like the following weekend, she unfriended, like she, maybe not just unfriended me, like she blocked me. Like I could not find her on Facebook or anything. And I was like, oh, someone's feeling a little guilty here. Like this is hilarious. And it reminded me of a different friend who I unfriended like this 15 years ago. And that friend was another who it was all about her and she never did anything wrong. And I unfriended her after my 21st birthday because she and I flew down to Florida for my birthday. And we were going to go to South Beach. And like, I was like, I can finally drink. It's going to be great. And I'm like, okay, like, let's get moving. Like, I gave her like a four hour window, like, start getting ready because we're going at 10 o'clock so we can go out to the bars. At midnight, I've been waiting for three hours and she still is like, just finally getting ready. <laughs> Oh my god, I wish you guys could have seen Ray's face here. That was great. <laughs> That's like Cheeto's so friend did. at Archon who wow. took two hours to dress in a t-shirt and a pair of pants with a whole bunch of a whole bunch of con badges when I when both me and Cheetos were in corsets and ready two hours before she was. Like that Hold was on, the person. Oh, oh, wow. oh no, you tell, you tell. Oh, it, no, no, it, it gets better. <laughs> so <laughs> so I like at midnight at midnight like I came out of the I came out to her where she was still like just laying on the couch like finishing her margarita that she had made and I, and she's like what are you wearing I said uh, my pajamas why I said because it's midnight and it's going to take us a good half hour 45 minutes to get to the bars that we want to go to and my birthday's long gone and I am going to bed. So I've left the phone for you on the table with a notepad that has the address to the house and the phone number to a good cab company, along with 10 bucks so you can get yourself a drink. So go on out, have fun, and I'll see you in the morning. And I go to the bedroom. <laughs> she walks in. What? Like, I don't understand why you're so upset. Like, what is this all about? And I was like, <laughs> leave it 10 like we were supposed to leave at 10 o'clock it's midnight like all you've done is take an hour like and sit here and have a drink so she's like okay yourself dressed you need to have a drink because it's your birthday I'm like okay good and then like she insisted on going to south beach so we finally got there about one o'clock so we had an hour till the bars closed and we're walking and she's like we need to go to an irish pub because you're irish you turned 21 so you need to have a pint of guinness i'm like I'm down for that, whatever. We walk into the pub. They don't card me. And I'm like, seriously? Like, I just turned 21. Look at my freaking ID, people. <laughs> but 
I get my minutes, she gets a martini, and she's fucking plastered before she even finishes the martini. And I'm just sitting there like, I've only half downed my pint. So I'm like, okay, chug it, put it down. Let's go back to the house. So that was, my birthday was on a Friday. So we had Saturday. We went to the beach and we're flying back on Sunday. This whole trip started out. She was running late and she told me that it was my fault that we were running late because she had to drive to my cousin's house. We lived five minutes from the airport to park her car there. And my cousin was dropping us off at the airport. Still don't understand how that was my fault, but whatever. Um, and that it was my fault that we weren't sitting next to each other on the plane. And she, she has severe social anxiety. And she sat next to a chatty Kathy and she just like didn't know what to do the whole flight down to, to Fort Lauderdale. And then... I don't know what I'm talking about in this final Harry Potter book because I haven't read it yet. And she was reading it because she bought it at the airport so she could read it on the plane. And I was like, I've read all the other books and I'm just telling you my hypotheses, which actually ended up being correct, by the way. And then we get back and my cousin was running a little bit late because my cousin wasn't there as soon as we walked out the doors. Oh my God, like, didn't you, you told your cousin the wrong time. And I was like, no, my cousin has a, three-year-old that she has to like load it up and get over here so your jets um she so we get in her car and she drives me back to my parents house and drops me off and i have not spoken to her since i had some of her stuff because she had come to visit me at my grandma's where i had been staying most of the summer i took it in a box my other ex-friend who we were still friends at the time drove to her house through the box contents across her lawn and drove away and I have not heard from her since um she did tell people that I was psycho and nuts and how like she doesn't know what she did wrong like I had ruined this wonderful weekend trip down to Miami and Fort Lauderdale and like who do I think I am like ruining her fun weekend away I don't know like I must just be a terrible person you guys like I I don't understand like, like just the worst, you know. I mean, it's yeah. just. <laughs> so... <laughs> I love watching so the waveforms so... of Cecily laughing are the best waveforms ever. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, so, like, so when it comes to like, I, I mean, I ghosted my mom for a whole year when I was going to school down in Florida because she pissed me off and I wanted nothing to do with her. Like she found out what I was doing, like when I would speak to my father um, or when I would talk to, or like my brother would let her know how I was doing. So like I, I've got no problem. I mean, we have family members that my, they pissed my dad off because um, my, un my late uncle was a priest and he performed our first communion in the backyard. And his cousin said, you can't do that. Like that's against the church teachings. And my dad's like, um, were you to say anything to us, you know, like half your kids, whatever. So he always said, I don't know those people whenever this one cousin would be mentioned around him. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I, but here's the funny thing about us Irish, like we'll stop talking about you, but we always hold the grudge. So like, like both of these friends, like that first one, if I were to ever see her again, it would take everything in me not to walk up to her and just punch her in the face and be like, fuck you, bitch. Same thing with this other one. So I'm like, I hope I never see you guys again. But if I do, it's going to be fucking hilarious because 
Because like, because both of them are also the type to come up and be like, I can't believe you just stopped talking to me. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> oh, we started. Oh man. So I was talking about Cheetos. This is this is what we refer to as money well spent because this person whose name I think was Sarah, but I don't remember. I only met her this one time because Cheetos needed somebody to drive with her to my wedding because she lives in Tampa. And it's a long drive, so she didn't help her drive up at all. She slept the entire way. She ran off with Cheeto's car while we were at the con, and she didn't get ready on time, and she was a complete and utter asshole. So I told her she was not welcome at my wedding, and Cheeto's was so upset, she bought her a train ticket back home, and little Miss Snotpants called her daddy to get her a plane ticket. And my mother-in-law took her to the airport, she goes, you girls don't need to deal with this anymore. Oh, why don't you take one. her? And my husband told my mother-in-law that well she was spent. not invited to our wedding because she kept Ooh. trying. To, she she was combative because it's bad luck not to have flowers in the church at the wedding, and you need to do this. And we looked at her like, "Are you paying for this?" Well, if it's a money issue, I can pay for it. We're like, "No, we don't want it. We don't need it." And finally, he got so fed up. He said, "If you don't like the way that we're doing this, you can shut your trap, and you're you don't need to come to our wedding." To his own she mother. Got her to like, kind of, or is his stepmother? His mother. Oh, okay. I just, I couldn't. Mother remember. and stepdad. Mother and stepfather. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, her whole, like, they've got big, big boundary issues, and it's just like. Yeah. No, the latest I know. issue that we've been having. <laughs> latest issue we've been having is they both insist on going with my husband to go see the houses that we've been, that he's been looking at. And I'm just like, there's no need for them to go. And my father-in-law even said to him after this last one that we actually put an offer in on, says, well, I hope that Luddy like, doesn't think that I'm picking a house out for you. And I told my husband, I said, if he thinks that that's what I'm going to feel, then he needs to stop fucking, like, inviting himself along and going along and telling you what he sees wrong with the house and everything. It would be different if my husband went to see a house. It's like, we're putting an offer in on this. We're going to put the offer. And then can I also schedule another showing to bring my parents along? But yeah, I'm just like, no, like they, they don't need to be going on these things. It's like, yeah. And the man told my husband that he needs, that he doesn't know how to pick out tires for his own damn vehicle. So my father-in-law was going to go ahead and do it. And I looked, I'm like, what, what the hell? My husband's like, oh, I already made the appointment. I'm getting these tires. Like, fart and flee. Like, this is what I'm going to get done. I don't care what he says. I'm like, thank God. So when I, when I say that I'm done, like, I'm done, like, yeah, no, but when I, we family and we are together again, I am just going to be like, peace out, you guys. You shall see, I shall see you all at Thanksgiving or Christmas, whichever holiday you guys get. And um, my parents, we may see you over the summer. Little made them want to go on the boat, so we'll probably go down to the lake for like a week or two in the middle of the summer. And then his parents, I want to say, do not come over to our home unless you are invited. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Because I can see that happening. Because even though we'll be about 45 minutes away, I can see them running to the big town and thinking, oh, well, we'll just stop by and see how they're, exactly. they're doing. No. Yeah. Hours in the driveway. I will not go to the door. I will not be letting you into my home. And you will not have a spare key. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, so, no. No, can, no, 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 no. Can you tell that I'm just like... So I forgot yeah, like to say I'm, something I'm earlier. Boundaries. Right. Go for I, it, Ray. 
So, you mentioning your friend's wedding reminded me of this. Um, so my mom made the made a big hullabaloo all over Facebook about me her uninviting not inviting her husband to my wedding, which the voicemail I left said, I want to let you know your husband, who I named in the voicemail and will not name here, is not welcome at my wedding. And if he comes, he is going to be escorted off of the premises. I actually had um, Jason's ex-boss was an ex-Marine, and he said, I will escort him off of the premises. Nice. So I said, he, nice. will be, he will be escorted off of the premises. Now, if that causes a problem with you, or my brother, or my sister, who are still living with my mother at the time, who I haven't talked to since this happened, because they're his kids, um, if this causes you, if this makes it so that you can't go to my wedding, I understand. So she spread this all over Facebook like she was going to come to my wedding. Come to find out, my sister told me, I think it must have been before Xandria's first birthday, but I think she may have told me at Xandria's first birthday. My mom had never planned on coming to begin with. Oh, wow. So she spread it all over Facebook oh. like it was my fault she didn't go to the wedding when she wasn't going. Oh, it was all my fault that my mother didn't get to wear the dress she specifically chose for the wedding um my dress was champagne with an ivory lace overlay the dress she wanted to wear was champagne with an ivory lace overlay <laughs> hmm. I, I i don't know why that would cause an issue when you hold this dress up isn't this great like oh we'll be twins i know isn't that wonderful uh no no my mother that one like i i, was, I called my aunt like oh, you need to have a conversation with your younger sister because this, this is gonna be an issue yeah. <laughs> my mother-in-law made and that i was dress, so I nobody was gonna be dressed like me because <laughs> nancy made my dress she also made I was a good like yeah, that one i was like <laughs> oh man yeah so <laughs> I wanted to add that to the saga that is Ray because I thought that was also important. But I, I've, there, there's so much of it, and I can only remember bits and pieces at one time, which is why I said this is the broad strokes. It took Jason. We we've been together since twelve, so nine years in August we've been together, and it took him a good five to have any idea of what most of the story was. And I'm sure there are still things he doesn't know, because it's hard for me to remember. But it's part of the reason Xandria can't go to SCA events with me, because in large groups of people, I dissociate because of how, what I was taught, which is why I'm an extrovert with social anxiety, because I'm afraid of people, because I was raised to be terrified of people. So I dissociate. So that I wouldn't leave. So that I couldn't leave. That's crazy. Hey, I mean, Ray. all of it's crazy. I'm just picking, like, one crazy thing to go, wow, yeah. that's crazy. And nobody who has listened through the trigger warning section has to believe me. I know you weren't there. And it's okay. I do not expect when I tell people what happened for people to believe me. Because I have ended up with so many people not believing what happened. Because if your mom works for DCFS, CPS, whatever, DHS, whatever your 
place calls it. Your yeah. How could that happen? Because nobody cared. Well, she would know how to hide it. Well, my mm-hmm. mom was an office manager. How would they find out? Or I'm sorry, my mom. My mom still yeah. works there. How would they find out? Nobody would report it. I didn't know what to do. So you want to talk about being gaslit. I was gaslit a lot, even while it was happening. (laughs) People were gaslighting me like that couldn't actually be happening. This is why boundaries are important. This is why telling people Mm -hmm. to F out of your life is and can be important. Sometimes you have to. Like Cheetos said that uh, that train ticket money she lost because you have to get a refund within 24 hours and uh, Amtrak is closed on Sunday. So she was never able to get her money back. Money well spent. Never had to deal with that chick again. And I I have I have people I considered friends and have downgraded to acquaintances who are also like that. Like there's somebody in my local SCA group who is very very draining. She's a sweet person, and I can't tell if she's stupid or incredibly manipulative on purpose. So, I just deal with her as little as possible. And Because she'll blow my phone up, she will call me multiple times, she will text me because she thinks I'm mad at her. And I'm just like, my friend Podrigine and the SCA, we are using SCA names to keep people anonymous, more or less, um told me, she said, because I was going to ride with this person, and this person wanted to go to her house in Kansas, and she was pushing and pushing and pushing because the event was like two hours away, and I said, you do not understand. I can go out on Friday. I can stay Saturday. I have to come back because I have a husband and a daughter, and we have to be prepared for the week, and I cannot go to your house to help you with stuff in Kansas. I cannot do this. I have responsibilities. I can do, doing this is asking a lot. I cannot add extra onto this. And so Podrigain told me, she said, tell her you're not going. And you don't have to give her a reason. You do not owe her a reason. So I sent her a text. Beyond circumstances outside of my control, I'm not able to go to this event. And she blew up my phone. And I've never told her why I couldn't go to the event. And I've never told her why I was angry at her. Because she asked me at the next event, and I said, Brigid, I'm busy. I don't have time to talk about this right now. And I don't, I'm not talking about this. Podrigain takes care of me and makes sure I stand up for myself. I stood up for myself one time and she gave me a remnant of fabric that she just happened to have. And it's just gorgeous, like red velour period fabric. And she gave it to me for standing up for myself. Hmm. I take it out sometimes and pet it. Because every time I see it, I'm like, This is because I can stand up for myself and bad things don't happen. I I think the, like, my biggest thing with with all this is someone is being so emotionally draining that you have to mentally prepare yourself to talk to them. Like, with, with both of these friends, I would have to mentally, like, I'd see a text message from them and I just, I'd like remove the notification and just be like, okay, I'll, I'll get to this later. Like I, I mentally cannot handle whatever they're going to say right now. And sometimes it just be as much like just a, Hey, how's it going? But I knew that it would go into more than that. And you like, you have to look out for you. You, Like I said, I was friends with these women for 20 years. 
well, one of them, like 15 or so, but, but still, like, you get the picture, like, that's a significant chunk of your life that you're friends with somebody. Like, the time investment, the emotional, the financial investment. Yeah. But Especially when Lenny's you, not 30 yet. Like, need... <laughs> I know, I'm so young, right? <laughs> I can't remember. Are you actually older than me or are you younger than me? Because now I've forgotten again. Uh, I'm of the B37 tier, dear. Oh, okay. I'm older no, than I'm, you. I'm the baby. Okay, never mind. I always okay. think you're younger than me. Sorry. So, every, it's our, everybody always thinks I'm younger than my husband, and I'm three years older. So, yeah. Um, but I forgot. You have to watch out for you. If you are in a relationship like that, it is toxic and it is not good for you for your mental or physical health. So you need to cut them off. And I I like just the straight, we're just gonna take the guillotine and cut you cut it right off. You're like, we're not gonna like sugarcoat it, we're not gonna send a letter. I mean, I got the email from that girl. I laughed, I deleted it, never looked at, never thought about it again. I was like, I'm not like she doesn't. Deserve, I, she doesn't deserve the time that I spent to sit here and laugh and share it with everybody. Yeah. But we all got a kick out of it because we were like, "You're a fucking idiot." But they're not worth your energy. Like it. It really is. Like I know it's gonna hurt. It's you're gonna go through the grieving process from losing this friendship. But I personally think it's easier to just like a bandaid. You just rip it off, get yeah. rid of it, and if. If you don't want to take that box of stuff that you have in there and dump it on their front lawn, a fire, burn it in a fire, toss it in the garbage, do something, you know, like, that's always fun too. It was fun to throw all her stuff on the lawn though. (laughs) 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 And you don't have to do that with every single relationship that goes bad either. Sometimes you just need to implement a simple boundary. Things like we were talking about were situations where this was the best possible thing to do. Yes. And what I didn't mention before was Mandy was originally my maid of honor. Ooh. Yeah. And I was like, no. No. Done. No. No. Not dealing with this. No. So. There are cases where ripping off the band-aid, popping the pimple is the best thing to happen. The best thing you can do. It is not easy. It does not feel good. And you are going to need a while to recover. And you will. And you're going to have to be gentle with yourself. Because it's not easy. And You like, have to go through the stages of grief. You, like, yeah. that, that's, that's what it is. Like, you, you have, and you have to acknowledge the fact that I am doing this for me. And I'm not doing I, it for anybody else. I'm doing it for yeah. me. And I would add that forgiveness that if you don't want to, you do, you never have to forgive anybody if you don't want to. Now that doesn't mean continue drinking poison hoping they will die. <laughs> but you don't have to forgive them. I do not forgive my mother or her husband for anything that happened. I don't. I'm not going to every time I go to see a new therapist. The first thing I say is I want to make this clear. I am not interested in forgiving them. This is not something you forgive somebody for. And if you are going to force the idea of forgiveness, I need a different therapist. And I've never had a therapist have a problem with that. Because I'm very clear. You're good at establishing those boundaries. 
Yeah, that is my boundary. Do not ask me to forgive somebody who did that to me. And I get that, you know, forgiveness is for you and blah, 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 blah. And no. No. I don't believe in all that mumbo-jumbo either, so. It's not that I don't necessarily believe. It's not that I don't necessarily believe that in most circumstances that can be healing. I want that anger. That anger keeps my daughter safe. And that's how I feel about it. It keeps my daughter safe. My family are not allowed to post pictures. Well, my dad's family are. My family, my maternal family who I don't talk to, if they have... Well, I talk to my sister Katie. Her and my sister Sarah are really the only ones I talk to. And Sarah is my dad's biological daughter. They are not allowed to post pictures of my daughter on social media where my mother can get them. And if I find out they do, I'm done. And that's the rule. And you respect it. Or you don't get to see her either. And that is my boundary. I, it comes to children's pictures on the internet. That's um, well, that's a yeah. conversation that I've had with a lot of people because so many people don't understand. Well, why why can't I post a picture of your kid? Like I I, I don't understand this, and because he's my child, and I also don't think that it's fair for these parents that are out there constantly like sharing information about their children, like that's not safe for the kids <laughs> you know and it, it's one of those things like this is my boundary this is my decision please respect it and if you don't then we're then we're gonna have a bigger issue that's really my only boundary with posting pictures of Xandria but I I thought about it and that was my decision and that's something that all parents have to decide and I know I don't know anybody who does, but I know there are people who don't post pictures of their kids. But I tend to post, I mean, I don't post a lot of pictures of Xandria anymore outside of MeWe. And MeWe is an incredibly safe place to do it. If you're not on my <laughs> I friends mean, list, you can't see it. If you're not on MeWe, well, and you can't I don't see even it. post, I think that the two pictures that I've shared on there that have little men's actual are Santa Claus pictures and I'm in them with him. Um, Cause he does not like Santa, but like any other pictures that I've shared of him on Mimi, like are all like far away of like a distant profile, like, or he's, his back is to me, or it's like his hand or something. Like I, well, that's like our cover. I'm picture. an adult. Make, yeah. yeah. Like I'm an adult. I can make a I can make the decision on what information of mine I put out there. He is a child. He does not get to make those decisions. And I'm not going to put something out there that were he an adult, he may, maybe when he grows up, like he's going to be like, I don't want any information of me out there. Thank you, mom, for being so diligent about watching what does get, what did get put out there about me as a kid. Yeah. Like the, the latest conversation I had about that, my mother's starting a business and she wanted to put pictures of the family on her website. And I said, that's great. You can put all of these pictures on there. But I'm deleting, but you cannot put these pictures of my child. But he's my grandson. He's an important part of the family. I understand that. But this is a decision that my husband and I made three years ago before we even had our son. And we we have been very like deliberate about what information and pictures we put out there. So please do not put the pictures out of my son. Yeah, it's... The pictures... That didn't go over well. No, but no, they're not. They're the pictures did not go up. 
yeah. pictures did not go up. So that that's a was. boundary. That's like the cover picture. I mean, there are actual pictures in our page of Xandria, I'm sure. But the cover picture, it you you couldn't tell her from Adam. I mean, it's a picture of her reading a book, but you can't see her. You can't see her face. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not... that I put that up because it's a really good picture. I didn't put it up because I was thinking, oh, you can't see her face. I put it up because I'm like, this is a really artsy picture that my mother-in-law incidentally took. (laughs) It is a good... It's a cute picture. I like it. She took it from me while I was working census and she was watching Xandria because she would send me pictures. Aww. Because it was hard on everybody. I I missed Xandria while I was doing that. And Jason keeps going... Jason's been going, like, you should get a job. And I'm like, there are reasons we've discussed this before, but I understand your rationale right now. So it's just been, you know, one of those things. So, under how did the rest of our families react, which I think is the only thing we haven't covered. (laughs) My maternal family (laughs) must think that I am the worst person. My, my... Extended maternal family probably thinks I am the worst person in freaking existence because they still talk to my mom. You're the bad guy, and you keep you keep your mother away from her grandchild. And what type of person keeps their grandparent away from their grandchild? Yeah. Oh, another thing was I um I had posted when she posted that I had posted a comment that if anybody would like to know the situation why her husband wasn't welcome at my wedding, I was happy to tell them. And then I removed the comment, mm-hmm. and she reposted it, saying, my dead name, deleted this. And I said, did you ever think that I may have deleted that to save your face? No, oh, you did it to hurt yeah. Someone is a bit of a narcissist there. Oh, maybe. She might be a Oh, I'll have to share the narcissist. I'll have to share the narcissistic parenting books, too, that I've done a lot of reading on with dealing with that. Yeah, because I'm, if anybody, I'm happy to tell people I was abused, things happened. If you would like to know, I am happy to tell you the only thing I require is you ask me. And I told Master Owen that, and Master Owen said, whenever you want to talk about it, I'm happy to listen. So I told him, because he helps me edit my songs, and sometimes I send him poems I wrote, and because it infuses my writing so much with because I write a lot about why bad things happen to good people, or why good people do bad things, which is slightly different than my abuse. It has more to do with me trying to understand why a normal citizen would become a Nazi than it does anything else. But, um, because I'm interested in the psychology of how that could possibly happen, and not just necessarily with Nazis, just in general. How people can, how good people can do bad things and not necessarily realize they're bad things. Um, or why bad things will happen to good people for no apparent reason. And since it infuses my writing so much, I figured you might need to understand this when you read this. Like the poem I shared with you guys, I think I shared it with you, called The Box. Yeah, yeah, you shared it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. If you don't know what happened to me, it it's not that it wouldn't make sense. But if you go back and reread it now, because I don't think, Letty, I don't think you knew like 90% of what I talked about. If you go back and read it now, it will probably make more sense what yeah. I'm talking about. Oh, 
because that had to do a lot with that stuff. I mean, it also had to do with quarantine, but it had to do with quarantine through my eyes, through everything that happened, because that's how our experiences. You know, another world. Like we're kind of going a little psychological here, but um, especially with dealing like with setting the boundaries with parents. There's this podcast I used to listen to called The Mental Illness Happy Hour, hosted by Paul Gilmartin. Um, God, I love the show. And, like, he's the first podcaster I actually, like, kind of spoke to. Like, we had, like, some emails going back and forth for a while there. Um, just on, like, some of the stuff that he's talking about. Um, like, he's dealt with the narcissistic parents as well. So, and, like, the toxic situations and boundary issues. So, um I'm going to make sure I include that link there along, like I said, I'm trying to, because all of my books are in storage. I have. I, um, I don't have them with me, so I'm trying to Google, go to the Googles and see if I can find some of these books that I had read in, and I'll share them, because, like, a lot of it, too, is just realizing, like, what is going on, and that it's not your fault <laughs> so uh yeah that's gonna go in there that's been a lot of therapy is i didn't do anything wrong i was an honor roll student i was a national honor society i was a high-end ap student going through all of this shit and knowing that i didn't do anything wrong has been something that i have been fighting with since I was, I don't know, 11, I'm 35, knowing that I didn't cause this, that I didn't do anything, I'm sure they would disagree, blah, 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 you know, but it's Mm -hmm. an important thing to know that, yes, in these situations that, like, I was, I was a kid. They were the adults. I don't get it. I'll never get it. It's okay. But like I said, I won't sit in That's the corner true. and scream victim either. Because it's just like, it happened. Life happens, and sometimes it sucks. And that's pretty much my philosophy. Yeah. But if you ever ask in our MeWe page how we're handling quarantine, my answer is very badly and I'm pretty non-functional. So, Cecily, you've gotten to be super quiet this episode. Final thoughts? (laughs) um from someone who's really well to be honest constantly paranoid that people don't actually like me i think friends that have really good boundaries are like the best kind of friends to have because if you know that someone's really good at saying no i can't do that then it's really free because you don't have to worry about it. I love it, you. It makes you a better friend to be someone who sets boundaries because then 
It sounds like someone is playing a rubber band piano. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I, I, I just couldn't figure out what it was. It's Letty typing up our show notes so that I don't have to do it. That is a weird sound for a keyboard. It's a Chromebook, that's why. It's oh, not, okay. It's not like a, it's a laptop keyboard. So, like, mine goes clickety-clickety-clickety because I have an external keyboard, but she's on a Chromebook. And she's muted herself so oh. that you don't have to sound, so you don't have to hear it. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Sorry. You set a boundary. Okay. I can't talk over <laughs> the rubber band. Over the rubber band band. Um, what were you saying? Go ahead and finish what you were saying. You're fine. Well, just that when... Okay. I used to not take it very well when someone would like set a boundary, not in that like I would react badly, but like I would then hide. And it took a while, but I finally figured out that, you know, just because someone says no or disagrees with you or something doesn't mean that they don't like you. And it doesn't mean that all this time you've been annoying them. And since then, I've realized that the easiest people to be friends with are people who have really good boundaries. Because if you know that someone is really confident in their ability to say no or to disagree, then it's like it gives you freedom to not worry about that. So if you're someone who's nervous about setting boundaries with friends, realize that ultimately it makes you a better friend. I would agree with that. If that makes sense. That makes complete sense. And just so you know, I happen to love you quite a lot. <laughs> I mean. Well, after... and, and you're good at setting boundaries. I, I think. try. I try. I mean, after... If you had any question after last August or September, when what, it was in August, I I hope you damn well know uh, how much I love September. you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because if I didn't love you, honey. <laughs> I mean. Well, that could have been <laughs> That would have been really obvious, I think. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I make light. I shouldn't, and I make light. It's one of those, it's still one of those things for me. Either you laugh or you cry. <laughs> yes. What else do you do? I would ask Letty, but apparently she's still typing. That is so weird. I've never heard a Chromebook keyboard on a microphone before, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad that I could, uh, Give you that a uh, new experience. <laughs> it, it is, it's a very new experience. <laughs> oh, I also have like this rubbery silicone keyboard cover on it, so that's probably where the, oh, <laughs> the that rubber band is. Well, I kept, I kept looking at my mic trying to figure out if I had my wire wrapped around it because it also could have been like something repeatedly flicking on a mic. <laughs> But I was just going, is, is anyone else hearing this? We have a 
if I'm not responding <laughs> to it gremlins. strangely, then it's probably fine. Um, I I knew it was it's a keyboard gremlins. because me and Letty talked for like an hour after the podcast last week, and she while well, she was typing notes, and I was sitting here doing needlepoint. So at this point, I'm just yeah, I'm just like a hundred keyboard. Yeah, I'm like 120 words a minute type of typer gal, so yeah. Ooh, notes. <laughs> I see notes. Oh my goodness, there are a lot of notes. I love <laughs> you. You're so much better at that than I ever was. Oh my god, I'm like half the time, I'm like, and yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, highly recommend checking out the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Like, I'm actually gonna shoot Paul an email and be like, hey, Paul. It's been a while since we chatted, but just so you know, you're getting a shout out in this week's 80s Mom podcast. <laughs> that's and he'll be minute. super excited. Yay! That's six minutes short of two hours long, by the way. Wow, this is a lot longer than my five minute one that I do for my uh regular blog. <laughs> that's because there are three of us and we're I all know. talking. Letty, final thoughts. boundaries set them make them clear stick with them do what's best for like i said before do what's best for your physical and mental well-being and check out that book by cloud and townsend boundaries highly 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 recommend it they also have like a book on boundaries in marriage and there's a couple other versions of it out there too that I have not checked out. I just only read the main one. And he said, once we move, I'm going to pull it out again. And I think I'm going to leave a copy for some people. Yeah. It's a hint, hint, hint. Yeah. I think yes. that's a good idea. I like that idea. Yeah. Well, I could wrap it up and give it to them as an anniversary gift. There's always that too. <laughs> as long as you're not there when they open it. Yes. Amazon gift delivery. Boom. Exactly. Ooh, yes. <laughs> exactly. My final thoughts, since I always finish this out, is it sucks, but sometimes cutting them out is the most important thing. And I think I'm going to label this boundaries and toxic relationships because mostly what we talked about were toxic relationships. I think we should definitely link Nicole's boundaries episode as she talks already about done. Awesome. I didn't read it. Wow. Not there yet. Um, <laughs> because she talked about how to handle less toxic things. Cause she didn't want to get into yeah. it. And now we have gotten into it because we have That's experience. We- well, we talk about uncomfortable subjects. I mean, it's what we do. That's what we're here yeah, for. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, take that dandelion and pop its head off. Like, that's the best way to deal with them. With toxic relationships, yes. And with that, we are the 80s Mom Podcast. You can find us on MeWe, and it's back. You can find us on Parlor 80S Mom Podcast. Yes, Parlor is back, ladies. Yes, I am so happy. I have been posting on Parlor. If you're not on Parlor, join Parlor. I don't care what your friends say, it's where all the cool kids hang out. You can also find our website, 80smompodcast.com. Our email, as always, show at 80smompodcast.com. We will be with you next week. And remember, you can do this. Have a good one.